listening to the U Urban Bible Study Weekly Leaders Training Podcast. The U curriculum is expressly created by and for urban and multi-ethnic churches. This podcast is designed to help leaders that a Bible study using LifeWay's U Urban Bible Study resources. Each week, we examine a biblical passage, review some questions teachers may face, and give a practical teaching tip. I'm Dr. Mark Croston, General Editor for the U Bible Study, and today I'm joined by one of our U writers, Brenda Croston. Hello, Brenda. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me for session four of Discerning the Voice of God. And this week's lesson is, does it align with God's character? So we've been talking about how we discern the voice of God, things that we need to do, things that we need to submit to. This time we're asking ourselves, is this voice in my head? Does it align with what I know to be God's character? So we're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 34, verses one through nine, and try and answer that question. All right. So our point is, God never calls us to do something that is outside his character. And so what does God reveal about himself through his word? How can I know God's character? God reveals his character. So here it is. God reveals his name in Exodus 34. Let's look first at one through five. The Lord said to Moses, cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be prepared by morning. Come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountaintop. No one may go up with you. In fact, no one should be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds are not to graze in front of that mountain. Moses cut two stone tablets like the first ones. He got up early in the morning and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai just as the Lord had commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And so here it is. What does God reveal about himself through his word? That's how we know whether or not we are discerning, hearing and discerning God's voice. And one, he reveals his name. And so here is a, a what a beautiful story. Uh, the nation of Israel is out in the wilderness. They're on their way from bondage in Egypt to eventually get into the promised land. And in the midst of all of this, God is trying to help de develop them into a spiritual family and force. And so he gives them 10 commandments uh, so that they will know how to live for him. They were simple 
right? Tan, and they were simple. And um, the nation acted up. Moses broke the stone tablets. And so now God calls him back on the mountain to give him uh, a new copy. And uh, so Moses gets some new tablets. He brings them on the mountain in response to God's word. And God is getting ready to give him the tablets. But interesting, the very end of this passage, it says he declared his name, the Lord, the Lord. So um, this in Hebrew would be Yahweh, Yahweh. Um, in German, it would this is translated, transliterated Jehovah in German, but Yahweh in Hebrew. But he's saying the Lord. See, it, earlier God had explained his name to Moses. He said, I am who I am. He is the God who is, but he is also the God who becomes. He's the God who becomes all that we ever need him to be. He is, he is the God who is all sufficient in and of himself. He is the Lord. In, in, in English, the Lord is master, sovereign, ruler. But ego am I, uh, that would be the statement in Greek. The Lord, Yahweh, in Hebrew, I am who I am, the all-sufficient God, the God who doesn't need anything because he's God all by himself. That's his name. So, Brenda, what are you seeing here? I guess the question becomes, then, what does this have to do with our discussion? The Lord, Yahweh, what does that have to do with our discussion, especially since the point is God never calls us to do something that is outside of his character? Well, God here establishes himself as self-existent, not needing anything, all-powerful, uh, all-knowing, all-seeing, ever-present. And so when we are discerning whether or not God is speaking to us, as we are discerning that and trying to follow what he, we believe he's speaking to us, this is the foundation of all of that, that this sovereign God who is self-existent doesn't need us, but he wants to be in relationship with us. Where do I get that from? The first five paths of the first uh, four verses, the children of Israel have done everything but <laughs> obey. And Moses himself acted out by breaking the tablets of instruction that God had given him, but God still called him back to give them another chance. And so God's care, this establishes for us God's character of faithfulness. It establishes for us his character of not needing us. He didn't create us because he was lonely. He's a part of a family. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. He didn't create us out of loneliness. 
he wants us. And what so what does that say about his character? It says that he is loving. What does that have to do with our discussion? That means I can trust him. All right. Yes. And that takes us right into this second point. Uh, God not only reveals his name, he reveals his nature. He reveals his nature. Let's look at this second set of verses, uh, verses uh, six and seven. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So he reveals his nature. So when I'm uh, thinking about discerning uh, the will of God and discerning the voice of God, then one, is it in alignment with his name? And is it in alignment with his nature? God reveals his nature to us. What does he show us? In this text, he is compassionate. Huh? Moses, Israel messed up. Moses messed up. God gave him another chance. He is a compassionate God. He is gracious. Always remember that. And it starts with compassion and grace. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in faithful love and abounding in truth. He is forgiving and he is just or fair. So all of these are elements of his characteristics, his nature. And so when we, when we are discerning the voice of God and it is not compassionate, maybe it's not God. If it's not gracious, it's not aligning with the nature of God. If it's not slow to anger, if it's not abiding, abounding in faithful love, abounding in truth, if it's not forgiving and not fair, then it's not in alignment with the nature of God. And so if it's not in alignment with the nature of God, then I better think twice on whether or not that is actually God's voice. And as I'm trying to discern his voice, remember discerning says that I've got to put some things together to try to figure out exactly what this is. And so I does it align with his name, the all-sufficient one? Does it align with his nature as he is revealing his nature here in this particular text? All right. So what else do you know about his nature, Brenda? He's a disciplinarian. We forget <laughs> that God is a disciplinarian. Well, a, a portion of us have forgotten that. And then other, others of us don't believe that. 
but he is a disciplinarian. But it, the, the passage says, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Surely some of this had come to pass. We had seen some of this happen in um, Genesis and the life of Abraham. And um, But this is like a foretelling, right, of what is to come. The point of the text is God will never call us to do something outside of his character. And so if what we if we're trying to discern whether or not God is speaking to us to do something, if it doesn't have um, not just his compassion, his gracious graciousness and all of that. But if there's not some disciplining happening in his speaking, then he might not be speaking. God does discipline us. And so the reason why I said in another one of these sessions that. Um, God convicts us not to condemn, but to um, reconcile us to himself. Not everybody follows that discipline. And so not everybody will be reconciled. But we have to remember that in the nature of God, there's discipline as well. And discipline is love. We can count that under God's loving kindness when he revealed his nature of faithful love and truth. Discipline is tucked neatly in between those two. All right. Yes. So God does have standards as a reminder to us. But notice this, this, uh, uh, this uh, idea of the discipline side, he says to, to the third and fourth generations. And, and in our ears, we say, oh, boy, that's that is tough. Ooh, third and fourth generations. Uh, you know, that's three and four lifetimes. And how in the world could God, uh, you know, be so mean and 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 all and bring these things on people for three and four lifetimes? Hey, you didn't read the whole passage. It says he has mercy for a thousand generations. Huh? So it is both of these. But God is merciful and he has some standards, huh? So he is, this is his nature, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, abounding in truth, forgiving, and fair, just fair. I like that. So all of this is important to us. If we're discerning his voice, his name, his nature, and then we must respond in reverence. When God reveals his name and his nature, we respond in reverence. So this is this is part of whether or not you're truly hearing his voice. How do you respond to the voice? Right. Look at verses eight and nine. Moses immediately. Let me say that again. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. Then he said, my Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us, even though. This is a stiff-necked people. Come on, he's honest. Forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as your own possession. 
So Moses recognized he just fell to the ground and worshiped God because God had revealed who he was. And he fell to the ground and he said, look, we need you. We need your favor. We need you to go with us. And, and look, we're going to admit right now, we're part of a stiff-necked people, huh? People that don't really want to follow you and, and don't follow you as closely as they ought to follow you. But man, you're just the kind of God we need. Forgive our iniquity and our sin and accept us as your possession. Uh, this ought to this ought to be almost shouting material for somebody who recognizes that when you discern the voice of God and who God really is, that you get to find out uh, that we get that we have the privilege. Let me say it this way: that we have the privilege of responding to Him. And how do we respond with reverence? So what a powerful word that is and what a powerful response Moses gives in this text. What are you thinking, Brenda? The writer says, by bowing low, Moses was minimizing himself and maximizing God in his life. Now, that is something that we need to take with us as we are wrapping up this lesson. We live in a society that says, "Lift." I, I want to be lifted up. Here's the word, platform. Everybody wants a platform. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants to be seen. And by society's definition, that is a success. But Moses, having encountered the graciousness of God, bows low, minimizing himself and maximizing God in his life. That's how, that's our definition of success. That's how we respond by decreasing so that he may increase. Why? Why is this so important? Because you're not just discerning the voice of God for yourself. No, you're discerning the voice of God and your response to that discernment is for the people around you. There's somebody assigned to each and every one of our lives. They're waiting to see how we're going to respond to this God that we talk about. And so if you minimize you and maximize him, I promise that you are putting out a, a, a large broom and taking people with you to glory instead of being on your solo platform so that only you and you alone can be seen and rewarded by God. Yes, that's a that's a great observation in this text. A uh, great observation uh, that uh, ought to be discussed in every single one of our classes as we look at this passage here. Wow! So um, just uh, keep in mind, if you're a Bible study teacher, I want you to hold on for just a moment because Brenda's going to give us our one minute teaching tip for today. But I just want to remind everybody, you need to get your own copy of the U Bible study. You can find it at u.lifeway.com. That's y-o-u.lifeway.com. It is our urban cultural forward Bible study. It has paper and digital formats. It has a teacher's guide in the back of the book and daily devotional passages that keep us engaged in the word every day. There's a leader's pack that comes in paper and digital as well, 
and it aligns with our Bible Studies for Life student and kids curriculum. So there's something for everybody. Come on, make sure you get yours. All right, Brenda, give us our teaching tip for today. Okay, 60 seconds to encourage you to take your teaching to social media. How are we going to reach the masses? By going to the marketplace where they live. Social media is where they live. So this is what I want you to do. Do a live video. I love, love, love a good live. I know it sounds frightening, but I'm telling you it's exhilarating. Go on to Facebook or Instagram and hit that live button. Once you hit that live button, encourage your um, learners in your class and your church members to join the conversation. Have an open Q&A about this moment in Moses's life and how it applies to us as we are trying to discern the voice of God. All right. What a powerful lesson this is and what a powerful series that we're experiencing right now. So join us again for another You Bible Study podcast, my friend, because you never know where God will take you.